At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I haven't picked up on a lot of activity in terms of the negotiations. And I have, of course, been checking in with sources who are connected to this process. I think on the Met side... Uh, there's some frustration. Uh, there's a little bit of disbelief that uh, Lindor hasn't accepted their offer and that talks, like I'm not going to say that talks have died, but they've certainly hit a very serious snag. Uh, Lindor, according to Luis Rojas, is his normal smiling self, going about his business in D.C., going to meetings, uh, uh, doing what he's supposed to be doing to get ready for the season. So there's sort of a calm and a chill over the process right now. Uh, if I were really, truly listening to my sources, like 100%, I'd be sitting here and telling you, I don't think this is going to get done. Because uh, that's kind of the feeling. But I can't say that. Because how could it not get done? Now, that's me saying this. And I understand there's a little subjectivity there. But if you get a gut check on this, it's like, you got to agree, right? But it's just people are not optimistic right now, is what I'm telling you. Because I don't think Francisco Lindor understands what playing in New York is like. Ask Mike Piazza what it was like in a walk year. And Mike Piazza is a Hall of Famer. Francisco Lindor has ways to go. This isn't Cleveland. This is New York City for a starved fan base that has immense expectations for a team that just offered you 10 years, $325 million. This is not five years, seven years. This is 10 years, $325 million. That is a significant offer. You're turning that down to enter your walk year and be a free agent in year one in New York City? Good luck with all that. Nobody can handle that pressure. Knowing that he turned down that offer, knowing that at the first sign of any kind of slump, which the best players have slumps, not only is the fans going to be on him, the media is going to be on him. Then he's going to feel that pressure himself. I don't care how great a player he is, what kind of smile he has, what his attitude is, nobody can withstand that type of pressure to know what you potentially want in free agency, to know what type of deal you turn down and deal with New York City, the Met fans, and the New York media. He's, he just doesn't have an understanding of New York City, and he's going to learn the hard way. And that's why I say it's a long year, not to mention the variables that nobody can control, injuries and things like that. You, you have that type of offer. I would, I'm shocked that his advisors and him are not jumping at that deal saying, you know what, let's secure this. For what, an extra two years on top of it? There's no way that would ever work out for the ball club. Good for the Mets. Stand strong. Final offer should be just that. Final offer. Take it or leave it. The new Mets shortstop, and uh, they had dinner. He and the new owner, Steve Cohen, on Saturday night in Port St. Lucie. I don't think Lindor wanted to have that dinner, but when the owner says, let's go get a fight to eat, you go. I mean, it was going to pay it 300 some million dollars, but... 
Uh, I don't think, and I've said this, this is not a jump, uh, you know, uh, come, come to a late conclusion. Anthony Castrovans taught us this when he joined us about a month ago, maybe a little longer, where he thought that the door necessarily, the New York scenario was not his first choice. And I'm telling you, all his actions so far indicate that he really wants to play out free agency or play, play two free agency. I mean, pay him 400. Not only is he a superstar on the field, he pays attention, he works hard, he cares about his teammates, and he not only does he have the quantifiable numbers of a superstar, uh, he, he has the X factor. And what he brings to a clubhouse is, is tremendous and can't be measured, along with his superstar talent. Well, you heard from some of the best voices in New York media that clip. Andy Martino, Sal Licata, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. You gotta love Mad Dog, right? You gotta love Mad Dog, assuming that the guy doesn't want to go to dinner. Brings back great memories. Shows you what we've been exposed to in this tab from a media perspective for so long. And then, of course, round it out with Francisco Lindor's teammate, Pete Alonso. Uh, give him $600 million. Give him $700 million. Monopoly money. Let's go. Let's uh, let's take a chance. What is it? A monopoly? The chance? Let's go around a couple of times the board. I think they're changing the monopoly board, so I can't. I can't even remember. It's been so long since I played Monopoly. Anyway, welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You guys know me. I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Well, I've tried to really push this back, and I was thinking of doing a preview. Reached out to a couple of guys to do maybe a, a back and forth in the media, and you know schedules didn't work out. So as we're 24 hours away, a little bit more from opening day in the 2021 baseball season, you're just going to get me today and getting my opinion and thoughts. And I'm going to give you a synopsis. I don't do predictions. I, I'm just, I can't do predictions. I'm not going to say over, under this. I mean, I could get into, you know, ranges and whatnot, but I'm not going to do that. I give you kind of themes and what I feel. And I'm going to get to that in the second segment because I've been trying to push this off knowing that news could come out at any moment about Francisco Lindor. And this potential extension, which, let's face it, is going to be record-setting for the Mets, is going to change the course of the franchise for a decade or more, and doesn't change 2021, that's in the books, the roster's in the books, but certainly will tell you how this team is going to be heading in the future, because every move they make will be bounced off of this. And I've I found it quite amusing as I look at some of the ways that this has been covered in the media that covers the headlines of the Post, the Daily News, Newsday. I mean, the Daily News could not be more minor league where as soon as you pick up the paper, I, I tweeted that out yesterday, that it shows like the Mets as being failures for, you know, being 60 million short on an offer that's north of 300 million. 
and the other two papers are a little bit more fair. That's an example. If you go to my, at Mike Silva Media, you can see the tweet of exactly what's wrong with news in this town and everywhere and in every genre, politics, the world, sports, whatever. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, we got children running the show. I mean, that's 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 just it's a sad state of affairs. There's nothing. That's not what this show is about. But let me get to this whole contract situation. This standoff, whatever you want to call it. I've heard that Francisco Lindor is an elite hitter, and he's had a good season in 2018 and some very good seasons, but I haven't seen enough of him, and I've heard he's a great defensive player, and he's won gold gloves. I haven't seen enough of him to say that both of those things are absolute truth, because all I go by is clips and numbers, and they're all pretty good. And I hear about his leadership, and I can't speak to that, because to me, a smile and wanting to be a dentist means absolutely nothing to me. A smile on a cover and media platitudes. You know, the media's handed out championships to the Yankees the last five years. You know, if we were if we were going by the media, the Yankees would be on a six-peat right now. Uh, and, and they haven't won one. So I could care less about the leadership. Clearly, you heard in the opening clip, Pete Alonso thinks he's a leader. And that's important, and that's fine. And I'm, you know, he's he's much more qualified to talk about that than I am. All I could go by is what I know. Uh, he had a great spring. He can certainly dominate the Grapefruit League. There's no doubt about that with Lindor. But what I need to see from a player is not going to be on baseball reference, and it's not going to be on the cover of the Post or the Daily News, and it's not going to be done on a Zoom call with Pete Alonso. Um, I'm going to have to see it from a greater perspective and connected to history and what I know of this team in different eras. And, and quite honestly... Uh, Pete Alonso hasn't been watching the Mets in the intense way that someone like me and you have been. Uh, some of you go all the way back to 1962. So we're qualified to talk about where this guy will stand in history and, and how this will look. You know, in the clubhouse in 2021, he can. But on a bigger, broader perspective, we can. I look at this as a guy that's about to be given the keys to the franchise. And what the Mets offered, 10 years, $325 million, which to me sounds like Cohen's like, that's it. This is what I gave you. Takes two to tango. I had dinner with you. I told you I loved you. I told you how important you are. You know, who knows what other business opportunities Cohen put out there. You know, the guy's got a vast array of uh, ways to get him into the financial world to invest that $325 million and make billions, maybe, depending on what he decides to do. So... Let's just put it this way. There's other opportunities. No deferrals, according to John Heyman, so that's a big deal. No jokes about Francisco Lindor Day. You know, it's funny. Everybody's deferring money, but we only talk about one deferral every July 1st. But then I look at other guys who have been given keys to the franchise, and every one of them had to go through a lot of garbage to get to the point where those keys were given to them. And every one of them, in some way, shape, or form, contributed to a high level to this franchise's history in this organization. And Lindor, if he signs this extension, and if you listen to this after he signed or before he signed, I think it's all going to be relevant. I don't think this is going to go stale because he signed. It's not going to change the way that I present this because the theme is going to be the theme whether I'm saying he signed the contract, congrats, or you turned it down, you know, whatever. Because that's how I feel right now. I don't care if this guy signs before, after the season, long term. Right now, it's about 2021. And I'm confident that if he doesn't take this money, 
The Mets are going to go out and reinvest it, and they clearly have a plan of uh, to put resources into this team and try to win. And the form that takes could change. It already changed since November 1st when Cohen took over. And 2021, what it would have looked like on November 1st looks a lot different today on March 31st. Keith Hernandez came here in 1983, didn't want to be here, cried, could have easily, you know, he wanted to go to the Dodgers, could have easily bounced out of here, uh, but saw the potential in this city, in this franchise with the young arms, and played during one of the most special eras of team history, an era which may never be this ever repeated where the Mets were the toast of the town. No matter what happens with Steve Cohen, the Mets may never be able to recapture that the way they did. I was there for the 80s. I was very young. Some of you were a lot older. There's a specialness to that team and the buzz at Shea Stadium that I I don't know if you could quite recapture ever. It'll be buzz. It'll be different. It's special. There's a feel. You know when you think about an era, when you think about the 80s, when you think about the Mets in the 90s, there's a different feel to each of those eras. The city, the stadium, the fans, and whatnot. Mike Piazza came here. It was kind of like a shotgun marriage to try to save a franchise that was about as relevant as the Islanders in this town. They were coming off five or six years since Strawberry left. They were completely irrelevant. The Yankees were coming off a championship. The Yankees were on the verge of winning a record number of games. The the gap between the Mets and everybody else in the city that were elite teams was huge. Nobody was coming to Shea. It was a niche product. Piazza came here. Nearly offensively carried that 98 team to the postseason. And he chose the Mets. He didn't have to choose the Mets, even after that big September. He went through a lot of garbage. They booed him. The media was speculating every day where he was going. Oh, Mike is moody. Mike doesn't want to be here. He can't handle New York. It's all out there. I mean, he had his sexuality question throughout his tenure here. Uh, All sorts of things. But he chose the Mets. And that team, that late 90s team, was probably the baseball version of the Knicks. Hardworking, lunch pail, professional. They got every single drop of their talent they probably maximized. They they were part of the golden era of what I call the Subway Series. Piazza earned every dime, and he he is the face of an era of Mets baseball. And now he's probably going to be, at least in the near term, based on reports... Kind of a, you know, Mr. Met of franchise history. A a team that needs to embrace its history in a positive way. And it looks like one surviving Hall of Famer is going to do that. Something that he doesn't have to do. You know, he he could be doing a lot of other things with his life. He doesn't have to do that. Earned every dollar of that mega contract he got. David Wright. David Wright was a top prospect. He didn't get a big contract coming out of Norfolk like they talk about now with offering Jared Kelnick out in Seattle a contract before he's even had a major league at bat. He led the Mets to a division title two years in, early 20s. He desperately offensively tried to carry that 07 team to the finish line when they collapsed. He took a ton of garbage about being too nice and not clutch. I might have been one of those guys doing that back in the early days of this radio show when it had another iteration. He could have left in 2011-2012, could have asked for a trade, when this team was in baseball purgatory. And it was clear they had no money to improve the product. They were going to be what they were. If they won with what they got, great. If they didn't, great. They were very content ownership at that time. They were a 75-win team. They were going to try to make it 
the best 75-win-looking team that's out there. That's baseball purgatory. And he stayed, and he hurt himself. And yeah, there was a lot of financial reasons to come back, but he could have came back in a different way. He could have walked out. He's made, you know, he's made investment money in vitamin water and other companies. Yeah, you want your money. There would have been a way to him to get his money. Other guys have been injured and got their money. But he wanted to go out with class. He wanted to go out in the right way, and and I think, you know, he's with his family now, and I think eventually he'll be back and be a part of this. And then you have guys that took the money and thought that they were going to have an easy street time, like Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran took the money, had a bad first year, collision with Cameron, and then he starts off poor in 2016, uh, 2006, and those who remember, go back, because I vividly remember it. I think he was like 1 for 15, 1 for 16 to start the year. Fans were booing already, and it looked like Beltran was going to be the next bust, the next bonilla. And he hit a home run, and he didn't want to come out for a curtain call, and Julio Franco told him, hey, you know, go on out. He took his curtain call, and then he nearly had an MVP season in 06. And uh, they don't forgive him for the curveball. We talked a little bit about that on the last podcast, the last show. But be that as it may, he was a solid Met, uh, probably a better Met than we give credit for. And I think he learned to enjoy and love this place. But that was a baptism by fire. Wright went through a baptism by fire. Piazza. Hernandez uh, was different, but, you know, Keith, he chose this place. He took a chance, and he made this place special. Piazza made this place special. Wright made this place special. Beltran, in a lot of ways, made this place special. None of it was easy. And, and, and you know, in the case of Beltran, he got the money up front. In the case of the other guys, they had to earn it. They weren't just, you know, given the keys to the kingdom. And now Lindor's being given the keys to the kingdom, and people aren't happy. They want more. Last I looked, I cannot criticize this offer. It's $32 million a year. It's the same as Machado. I think only Arenado and Trout will have higher contracts positionally. There'll be pitchers that are higher. And I get it. Lindor's camp wants to set records. They want that smile on the cover of newspapers as, you know, the $400 million man, the $385 million man. Um, it's his right. It's about the brand. But guess what? The brand doesn't do anything for us as Mets fans. His smile and, and hanging up a Sports Illustrated with the smile and hearing how smart and how he's a dentist and all the other stuff that, you know, the, the Today Show would like to do does nothing for winning. And if you're going to take this money, you got to be sure about this guy. you got to be sure because he's going to be part of the fabric of the team. Uh, you know, Hernandez is the Phil Rizzuto of the Mets now. He's a broadcaster. Wright will be back, like I said. Piazza is now going to be involved with history and kind of curating this new era where the Mets embrace their past. Is Lindor going to be this guy? Because that's the responsibility he's taking. You can't take $385 million, you know, go out there and smile, have a 115 OPS plus. Oh, shucks, I didn't do it today. Let's smile and do it tomorrow. And you think that's going to fly? Because you're taking all this on. And believe me, he's thinking about that. Because for him not to sign on the dotted line, it's not about $60 million. He knows we have not seen one regular season at bat, one game winner. And I know what I said. I, you know, I threw a little thing out on Twitter that so far uh, the Olderson regime is a bridesmaid, not a bride. They couldn't close the deal with Bauer. They couldn't close the deal with Springer. Geez, they couldn't close the deal with Brad Hand. 
all the reasons they gave were good reasons why they went to the line but didn't go over. And I hope they continue with this because to me, the way you negotiate is here's the offer. And I would say to the Lindor's people, I don't know if this offer will be the same come October. Could be the same. Maybe you'll have this dream season and I'll write you the $400 million check like Pete Alonzo says. But I would make them think. And the clock's ticking. And if he doesn't take it, don't be mad. Don't be mad at the Mets. Don't be mad at Lindor. That's America. He has a right to bet on himself. Do you understand how long 12 years is, though? Think back right now to where you were 12 years ago and how many things in your life were different and how many things have happened that you wouldn't expect, good, bad, and different. Think about where the Mets were. The Mets 12 years ago was 2009. Would you have thought about stenosis and David Wright? Was Pete Alonso even in your thought process? Of course not. Who was, who was Jacob deGrom? He was at Stetson. Look at Jose Reyes for crying out loud, how his career. You're going to be signing this guy till his late 30s. Look at Jose Reyes at 25, 26, and look at Jose Reyes out of the game in his late 30s. This is a serious, serious decision. You're looking at some dead money already on this contract that has constantly uh, written. They're probably not going to get a really good Lindor the last couple of years in his mid to late 30s. Those legs go, the range goes at shortstop. The speed goes, okay, he'll probably still be able to hit for power and, and maybe he'll be, it might be DH, and guess what? Maybe that'll be okay because there'll be a DH in the National League. It's a little bit different now with potentially a different type of setup in the modern baseball era. I know you all want to wash away the Wilpons, and I'm sure Steve Cohen, even though he doesn't have to prove anything because he's not Fred Wilpon in so many ways, Wants that too. But you can't just give the guy what you, what he wants because this is the first guy asking for it. Because the media is going to make fun of you. Because you don't want to be made fun of by Yankees fans. Willie, I think it was Willie Randolph at one point had a great quote in a post game: Don't tell me, show me. You know, Willie was very terse and he said a lot of things that annoyed people. But he, but he was right. There's a lot of telling me from the media about Lindor. There's a lot of telling me from Lindor's camp. And all of it during the lazy days of spring training. Make him blink. Let's see if he's ready to bet on himself. Because right now, no deferrals. Does he Does he understand how big that is? Maybe the Dodgers are the only team. And even the Dodgers deferred money with Mookie Betts. You think the Nationals are not going to they defer the whole darn contract? Okay, maybe the Yankees won't. But you're betting. I know I, I was had some exchange. Our friend Chuck Johnson, a scout over there on Twitter. He said, well, he wants to play for the Yankees. Well, guess what? We'll see what, where the Yankees are in, in six months. A lot of shortstop inventory. New CBA. So, I'm not mad at Lindor. I'm not mad at the Mets. I don't care whether he signs. All I'm saying is, and this is more of on the Lindor side, be careful what you wish for. You might get it. And the minute Inc. either goes to that contract or doesn't, the world with you and Mets changes forever. Either you're going to put your chips to the center of the table and say, I'll show you what you're missing out on and what you should have paid for for the extra $60 million. Or you sign that contract, and now the real fun begins. This is not about media championships and media MVPs and media smiles and being a dentist and all this other crap that he talks about. This is not Monopoly money, despite what the Daily News likes to put out there. This is serious. 
And now he's put his chips to the center of the table in more ways than one. Let's see who's right. Maybe we're playing a little bit of Monopoly, the baseball version of Monopoly, except with a hell of a lot of money and a hell of a lot at stake for, for both sides. All right, let's take a quick break. When I return, let's talk about the 2021 Mets, my keys to the team. No predictions because I don't do that, but I'll give you an overall theme and where I think this team is going to be now that spring training has come to an end. And we're about a day, a little bit more than 24 hours away from opening day 2021. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, everybody. Opening day's right here, and you still have a chance to save if you go to manscaped.com. Remember, Manscaped is the global leader in below-the-waist grooming and the Talking Mets podcast. And your buddy Mike Silva is here to give you a deal. 20% off and free shipping. Use the code TALKYMETS, all one word, no G, over at manscaped.com. The Perfect Package 3.0 is something that you really got to check out. I got a free sample of it. I enjoy it. It's important as the season comes, and you guys are going to be going out and enjoying yourself to be well-groomed. And again, like I tell everybody, check out manscaped.com. No obligation. If you like it, great. If not, skip over this. No reason to ruin your experience with the Talking Mets podcast. So again, last chance to save before opening day manscaped.com 20% off free shipping check out the perfect package there's all sorts of other fun goodies over at manscaped troll the site have fun yeah take five minutes out of your day personal grooming is important 20% off free shipping talking mets all one word is the code be well and enjoy the rest of your show All right, we're back. So the 2021 Mets, let's actually talk about baseball. I'm really, it's almost like the offseason never ends around this place. And this whole contract with Lindor and talking about Conforto, I'm not even going to get into that whole thing because I've had so enough. That's, let, let that all play out on the behind the scenes. But, you know, where are the 2021 Mets? Real quick, spring training, I was very surprised they dumped, dumped Mike Montgomery, kept Gazelman. And I'm not going to be like these other Poindexters around here uh, that used to, you know, that Oh, I, I, you know, I run a blog or I write for, you know, so-and-so or, you know, I'm a super fan. I know I could run my own team. No, you can't. You can't run your own team. I don't have the inside information. I have what's called, and I'm very honest about it, an educated opinion. I think my opinion's uh, pretty well-versed, well-reasoned, but it's not always right by uh, the pure fact that I was wrong about Mike Montgomery. And guess what? I might have to do a make culpa on Jacob Barnes, who I've been dumping on since... October when they signed them where I said, ah, another guy that, uh, you know, walks the ballpark, throws hard, doesn't know how to pitch. Jacob Barnes is actually going to become potentially the first of the new era of Mets analytics with, it seems like Jeremy Hefner is the pitching coach and Ricky Meinhold. And we heard about him a little bit from Ernie Dove a few weeks back, the pitching coordinator, assistant pitching coach, where they are going to try to bring those scrap heap guys, and remake them. Rick Peterson, I think, used to do that back in the day in a different form, in a different era of analytics. Mets are trying to bring that back, and maybe Jacob Barnes will be that guy, whether it be as an opener, which I don't like the opener, but if that makes him comfortable pitching that one clean inning in the first inning versus the sixth, so be it. Let's see. I've criticized the Mets for not developing young pitchers, especially bullpen arms. Let's see if it's changed, and I'll be the first to say I was wrong on Jacob Barnes. I'll be the first to say. So, you know, the roster, anything that happened here with Montgomery, Tommy Hunter, uh, Gazelman making it, I don't necessarily think that that's really going to be the 
the thing that we talk about, about why they don't make the playoffs when October comes around. So I'm not going to say I have all the information, and, and we don't. You know, I know everybody thought they were smarter than Brody Van Wagenen, but they weren't. He was in the sauce. You're not. And as I said, I'm not into predictions. I'm into themes. So overall, and I've said this, and I don't think anything's going to shock you for those who've listened to this show for a long time. Good offensive team. It should consistently hit. And I think looking at the offense, if it stays healthy, and a very solid bench with some key veterans that hopefully could adapt productively to the bench role. Kevin Pillar, Almora, we'll see about VR. He's the one I'm not so sure about. But hopefully they were able to sign not just veterans who can provide them depth and potentially step in for two weeks at a very good level when there's injuries, COVID protocol, whatever. But guys that can embrace the uncertainty sometimes that come with a bench roll. I think this team can not only hit, it's not a bully offense. It could hit good pitching. They could probably work good pitchers to get into those bullpens in the early innings. And that's going to be a big key. That's going to be how a good offense that looks good with run creation or potentially with war then actually scores five plus runs a game because that's where you want to be. You want to be, they were about 4.7. And the Mets have always hovered in that 4.5 to 4.7 in the last couple of years because they had gaps in that lineup. And the pitching was good, but you really need to get to... The, if you want to be in the lead offense, you got to you got to start at five runs a game. The real good teams, you know, the Yankees, the Dodgers, they're, you know, you know uh, Braves, closer to six. Can this team do that? I, I think it could. I think it could. Let's start with five. You score five runs a game, you're in a pretty good place. And that's the number you want to go to. I don't think it's a bully offense. I think that's important. Uh, and I don't think it's an offense that, at times in 2019, when it was very good in the second half, but... You would see brownouts. You would see them go through shutdowns. There was a streakiness to them. I think with Lindor and Nimmo hopefully healthy, you're not just relying on the streakiness of maybe an Alonzo with the power. Uh, you know, hopefully McNeil, who looked not so great in spring training, you know, doesn't get home run happy and, and can be that consistent line drive hitter in there. Hopefully Conforto has evolved. He's talked about it where he's getting away from being you know, a, you know, a version of Daniel Murphy where he's going to pull everything to a more complete hitter. You know, Murph did that, but Murph was a complete hitter. He was able to go the other way because Murph started out as a gap-to-gap hitter and then evolved into the power. I think Conforto's doing it the other way around. So I think the offense is going to be pretty good. The defense, which we talked about at the beginning of the offseason, which still got its question marks, I think it's improved in key areas. And I'm okay with the guys who are going to be the weak underbelly, the Dom Smiths in left and the J.D. Davis at third. Both of those guys seem like hard workers. They're going to put the time in. And with some data analytics and some good coaching with positioning, Smith, J.D. Davis, Nimmo, I think they'll give you enough. I'm a big Stratomatic fan. So Stratomatic likes to rate uh, fielders from one to four. And if you're really bad, you're a five. That means you pretty much shouldn't be playing the position, but they're putting you out there. J.D. Davis and Dom Smith were fives in 2019, if you're a Stratomatic fan. And those who play the game will, will get the reference. I hope I don't think they're fives. I think they're going to be fours. Is that great? No. But so is Brandon Nemo a four. So you got you got th- three fours out there, but guess what? You could have a one at shortstop. You might have a two behind the plate or a guy that not only has a decent arm, but I think with McCann is going to show some of that leadership that I always wanted them to go out and get a catch-and-throw leadership guy behind the plate. I didn't care about the offense. Now they have a guy that could hit a little bit. Might hit as good as Wilson Ramos. We'll see if he can over the course of a long season, 
He certainly hit that and more in the pandemic season. Uh, and I've heard some good things about McCann. And uh, I think he, you know, he's going to be interesting. So you got McNeil, who's a better defensive player at second base than, uh, you know, Cano could hit. So you, you've you got the, some key positions up the middle outside of Nimmo. You got, you have, uh, uh, you have better defense. So that's, a, that's a big thing. Pitching is where this is going to really be won or lost though. I think those other two, I could fear, feel fairly confident about where this is going to go. And I had that concern going into the season, uh, going into the off season. I still have that concern. I, I think there's three names right now that are going to decide the 2021 season. And all three of these names need to come back. They need to come back sooner rather than later. And they need to perform up to their, I'm not saying their best season in their career, but what you expect out of them. And that's Lugo, that's Carrasco, and that's Syndergaard. When they lost out on Trevor Bauer, which everybody's celebrating because of Twitter, because that's what we're all concerned about, some mean tweets. They lost Kush in the rotation because I you didn't know what you were going to get out of Yamamoto. You still don't know what you're going to get out of Luke Casey. And you're putting a lot of stock into pandemic Peterson, David Peterson. And that's a hittable guy and a guy that, to me, is not a dominant pitcher. is a back-end-of-the-rotation pitcher who right now might be, because Carrasco's out, pushed to the middle of the rotation. We'll see. Bauer, Bauer DeGrom was so good 1-2, 1-A, you could really say 1-1-A, one that it would not have been as bad as you get to the back end because you knew you had two starts where you were clear in a way probably going to be the favorite team because of the who's on the mound. Now, that's not necessarily the case. Stroman's good, but we still got to see Stroman a three. Can Stroman be more of a one, a two? I don't think Stroman's a one. I mean, the Mets are even talking about relying on openers now with Jacob Barnes. It's, it's a whole different situation. That rotation right now, without Carrasco, without Syndergaard, is not as is better than it was pandemic season where it was a mess where you were basically piecing it together night in and night out, which you cannot do in a 162-game season. So you got to hope Carrasco comes back healthy, comes back sometime. You could you could muddle through this through Memorial Day. Remember, going from opening day to Memorial Day is like the pandemic season. That's basically what you got. And you could get through with openers and Peterson, as long as they're somewhat competent, six innings, three runs, because you have enough offense. So... Carrasco coming back, and I'm not expecting him to be Cy Young Carrasco, but could he be a very solid 2.5? Can he be a guy that's healthy, makes starts every five days, can go seven innings? We'll see. Maybe it'll be a good thing because he didn't pitch you know, very much the last couple of years, so now you're not putting that pressure for him to hit the 200 mark. Syndergaard, does he come back June 1st to July 1st? And I'm not asking for Syndergaard 2016, which was a one, which was... Jacob DeGrom, I'm asking for Syndergaard second half of 2019, who was the top of the rotation guy, number two, a guy who could give you days where he's won. The thing about Carrasco and Syndergaard, they, could give you, they can give you ace days, but their floor is not five, four or five. Their floor is a lot higher. They don't have that now. Right now, your ceilings on the guys like Peterson and Lucchese and Taiwan Walker I think are number three days. That makes sense. 
their floor could be getting shelled. So these two guys are critically important because I don't think you could go out and just acquire pitching of that caliber on the open market. And if you do, you're going to be going and taking away from some critical farm system capital, which they might not really have. At some point, you're going to pay this guy at shortstop $33 million a year. You pay the guy in right field $25 million a year. Quarter of your payroll sucked up by two guys. You're going to have to build this roster going forward with some high-quality arms positional players. And just like in 2015 where your rotation was very good and elite but very underpaid because they were young, you got to figure out what the next wave of that is. So if Carrasco and Syndergaard don't come back or are not good when they come back or come back much later than expected, there's a, there's a problem here. Because I don't think you can muddle through more than 60 games and expect to be a division winner. You might be able to get into the playoffs as a second wild card, but I'm, right now there's a lot of questions on that rotation. Now Lugo, he's even more critically important because if Lugo was healthy, I would feel better about navigating some of the games that are normally going to be Carrasco and Syndergaard because here's a guy that could give you two lights-out elite innings. And he could bridge gaps. Now, he can't go four out of every five days, but now with Trevor May and hopefully Diaz has figured it out and Miguel Castro had a nice spring and you have Loop to come in and do some lefty work, you might not be as punished when he can't do that third day in a row or he's down for the count because he went two innings the night before. I thought, you know, he hasn't really started throwing yet. You, you figure he needs about three weeks of spring training. Uh, you're looking at, I thought May 1st, I think you're probably looking between May 1st and May 15th, assuming everything from this surgery goes well. And hopefully he comes back and there's not that period where he go, you know, he's going to have the dead arm period, period where he's trying to feel his way. Everybody goes through their own spring training. The problem is Lugo's going to be doing it with the lights on with games that count. And that could be dangerous when you're a key bullpen member. Because right now, if you're easing Lugo back into leverage situations or you don't have him, uh, God forbid, for longer than six, seven weeks into the season, you're putting a lot more on Familia and Batances. And I got to tell you, Batances without velocity and Familia's control and command do not make me feel good about putting them in any kind of leverage situations. And with Lucchese, with a potential opener, with what we don't know about how deep Peterson could go into games consistently, you may be going into that bullpen in the sixth inning. This is not like the 2016 uh, Mets, who were very confidently were going to get, for most part, seven innings out of their starters. You only needed six outs. 2015 Mets, in a lot of ways, that was the same way too. That's why they could navigate weaker you know, bullpens in, outside of the eighth and ninth inning guy. So you need Lugo back. If those three guys don't come back, and it's two parts of them coming back, timely and at the same level that you expected, then you're short a bullpen arm, and you're short in the rotation. And the only way that you won't be short in the rotation because at le- is if Lucchese is a lot better than you expected, which I have a hard time believing the Padres gave up, gave up a guy that can be top of the rotation. I think they knew who he was, and I think they felt that they upgraded one through five, and the, they, don't, they didn't need him. I mean, Musgrove is a guy that has been in purgatory in Pittsburgh, a guy I would have loved to see the Mets get. Uh, he's a pretty good pitcher. When you look at the advanced analytics, he's he's like Syndergaard. In the right situation, they think he would blossom. That's been talked about for a while. Prospect with the Astros at one point. So 
you know, the Mets got a, <laughs> they got a guy that somebody else didn't want. And as far as Yamamoto, he was designated for assignment. So that's your depth. So if there's COVID situations or injuries, and, and, and yet Corey Oswald had a decent spring, but now you're getting into a lot of ifs as you get to 7, 8, God forbid, 9, 10. Look, 2016, they had to go maybe, what, 12 deep? That's possible. So I can't sit here and say the Mets are going to win the division with certainty, like all well, you know, the predictions and everything. Because right now, like every other baseball season, unless you're a, you know, in the big term super team, everybody likes to talk super team. Very hard to build a super team. And when you build a super team, you'd be surprised how it's not super because something that you didn't expect comes up. A baseball season is, a, is truly a marathon. And you're feeling your way out. And and, I have, and I've said this a thousand times if you listen to the show. In the era of the two wild cards, you have at least, you used to always have, with the traditional wild card, you had about 60 games that you can mess around with. Even sometimes a half a season. Now I got to tell you, you I mean, the Mets messed around in 2019 till August. And, and they nearly made the playoffs. Now, I don't think that's a good way of, putting yourself in a position to win. But with two wild cards, you could do that. With tons of teams tanking, you can do that. Now, the NL East is different, I think. And, and you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of MLB Network radio and, and whatnot. I, I think you're going to have a tough game, whether it's Miami, Washington, who's not the same team. I mean, Washington's thrown out Scherzer, Scherzer Strasburg, Corbin. I mean, in a short series, if you, if you put any of those teams, you know, Marlins got some good young pitching. You play any of those teams, Phillies, even though you know the Phillies sometimes get lost in the shuffle. They got some good offense. I mean, they had a good offense last year. It was the bullpen that was that was awful. You put any of those teams in a short series against each other, anybody could win. Maybe you could make the argument in, in other divisions that way, but not quite. I think it's going to be a tough division, and that's where the majority of your games are going to be played in your division. It's not like you're going to go out and play Kansas City or Detroit. Or, you know, a tank, you know, a Reds team that's that's compromised. Or some kind of tanking team like Pittsburgh. You're not going to play those teams 19 times. You know, a couple of years ago, the Marlins were a 108-loss team. You know, that was a pretty confident W. I don't think you have that anymore in the NL East. So, yeah, you can mess around, but there's consequences. And your record against your division may knock you out because a team that plays a weaker schedule in the Central or the West might have a better record than you and get in the playoffs. And then all is lost. I think it'll prepare you more for the postseason and for big games, and I think that'll be important when you play a tougher schedule. You play an interleague, the Yankees, and you know I think they're playing this the West this year. So they'll get Houston, Oakland, places like that. I have to look at the schedule. I cannot remember for the life of me. But, you know, that's my feeling. So... Everybody's got the Mets penciled in, you know, what is it, fan graphs for 95 wins. Look, I think they could win about 90 games, 92 games, maybe more. But those things have to come up roses because if they don't, it's going to be very hard to bridge that gap. You, you, if you, We're here on June 1st, and those three guys are nowhere near the mound, and things ain't looking good with their rehabs, or if they've come back and, and they're in bad spring training mode and there's major issues... Uh, I don't know if the Mets could overcome that. And I don't know if guys like Peterson and Lucchese, and, and if he needs to be brought up, Yamamoto, even at their best, are enough to bridge that gap of the, the downgrade 
between what those guys can give you and what these guys' ceiling can be. And asking guys to consistently give you their ceiling is unrealistic for everybody. You know that. So that's my thing on the 2021 Mets. Good team, good offense. Maybe what is the best offense in team history? That's a debate for later in the season. I saw what Joel Sherman wrote. I could debate that now that it's not. Talk to me about the 99 Mets. Talk to me about the 87 Mets. Talk to me about the 06 Mets. I'm not getting into that today. That's not today's podcast. That's not today's show. Defense improved in key positions. We'll see what the dentist, I'm going to call him the dentist. You know, he, let me tell you, I'm not I'm going to give Lindor any slack here. And I'm not mad about him not taking the contract. Believe me. God bless America. I'm all about going out and, and betting on yourself and taking a risk. But I don't want to hear any excuses from the media because they like him or because they're afraid of him because of other reasons which you guys could read between the lines on that because you can't criticize him. And you guys will read between the lines. I'm not going to get into that. It's not worth it. Um, Pitching is a question mark. Pitching is a question mark. And I think it's more of a question mark than it's being told on, uh, on the radio on the news, on SMY, and I guess we'll see. We'll see. The fun part is, let the games begin. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five, because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we're back. Uh, real quick, one last Lindor thing. Uh, there's a, a follow on Twitter, MLB executive burner, at Hot Stove Intel. He says he's in, the, he's in the know. I don't know. He's been wrong about some things. He's been right about some things. But he made a couple of comments about Lindor that I thought were interesting. He wrote last night, and this is at Hot Stove Intel, MLB executive burner. Take it for what it's worth. Fast forward six months, Lindor posted uh, 4.7 war season, 109 runs created, won a gold glove. Declined the Mets qualifying offer. He's now a free agent entering the age 28 season. I'll add, it's a new CBA. What team is knocking on Lindor's door offering 10 years, $325 million with no deferrals? Good point. Maybe he doesn't care about the deferrals. That's an interesting point. He also points out, MLB executive Burner, that in 2018, which is this big season he had, uh, his OPS Lindor versus the AL Central, which had some weak sisters there, Detroit, Chicago wasn't great, Kansas City, all right? AL Central, he had a 944 OPS, very elite. Everybody else, 805, still very good. Still very good, but remember, you're, you're, you're getting towards Mike Trout money here. Getting towards Mike Trout money. So 805 OPS, it's good, but it might not be what the money's justified. But of course, rational thoughts with money when it comes to contracts, sometimes you all know it's right place, right time. In 2019, last full season, it was 925 against the AL Central, 790 against non-AL Central. So now once you fall below 800, it's debatable whether you're good or very good. 
Now, when you have a glove like Lindor, gold glove, there's so much value. But remember, you might be looking at Jose Reyes with power right now. You might be looking at what Jose Reyes could have been if he had developed power in his game and, and a different type of maturity in some ways when it came to his process. You know, he was a free swinger. Jose, it took Reyes a while to figure things out. And he was a very good player. He had a lot of injuries. There's a lot of things that were different about Reyes. But remember, I think Lindor has morphed in his good season, even his very good seasons, into what I think you expected out of Reyes with the power. And Reyes, I think, gave you everything. Average stolen bases. He never really gave you the walks. He didn't really give you the power. So I'm not saying Lindor is Reyes, but you get the point. You're pointing more that way then you're pointing up. And and if you're going to give me, you know, $32 million a year, alone could be about 15% of the payroll going forward to age 38, 39. Just remember, it's an interesting thing. Hey, I want to thank a new listener to the show. Brent Merrill wrote me a very nice email. He's up in Buffalo. Hopefully the long, cold winter up in Buffalo is behind us. Hopefully if you're, you know, you're not too far from Syracuse, maybe you could go check out some AAA baseball up there in Western New York and uh, go to see the Syracuse, uh, I guess the Mets, or is it, it's not the Chiefs anymore, it's the Mets, I think, the Syracuse Mets. Um, but he's on the, you know, he's looking for a podcast, he's he's looking to root for a baseball team, he doesn't want to root for the Yankees. He came to Talking Mets and maybe we converted him. So Brent, welcome to the, the, the group, welcome to the family, hopefully you stay, hopefully I didn't tick you off in the early days, you know, he just started listening, he listened to his, one of his first shows he listened to was our Devin Gordon show and he loved the content and the conversation about bunny a day maybe if we defer money uh the mets defer money we'll have lindor day until you know you and i'll probably be long gone when uh, with the way this contract's going we'll be long gone you and i brent by the time lindor day ends your, your grandchildren's grandchildren will be talking about lindor day so anyway i want to thank uh brent merrill and look the season's here so uh here's what's next S- game start uh, I don't think, you know, if Lindor signs, is it going to change this podcast, another show? I don't think so. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll have something about Lindor signing if that happens. Certainly if he doesn't sign, I think I gave you my take. And I think that take is fresh regardless of, you know, what, um, regardless of, of what happens. I think you could see, I think you could take that, that opinion Take that uh, situation and you can apply it to whatever the the end game is. Watch, I, as soon as I upload this show, Lindor signs and you know people are like oh, I'm not going to listen to that. So there's that. Uh, we'll get back to the regular Sunday programs, doing features, working on some things, and then you know we take it as it goes as the regular season comes. There'll be no show this Sunday uh, unless short of something you know tremendous happening. And you know as we go, those who are newer to the show, we really take the season like the marathon that it is. We get intense and really talk about the team in some weeks. Other weeks, we do features. We try to check in with guys who are covering the team. We try to follow new books, new ideas, whatever. Get a lot of me and my opinion. I know that I've done some shorts, not as many as some like, and I, I really you know, would love to do more of what you hear today. And nothing is ever short with this, with this program. Nothing is ever short. Let's put it this way. It's still almost a 45-minute show, and this is supposed to be a shorter season, quick in, quick out production. But we'll do some of that. You know, big series, days off. It's going to be, yeah, Sunday is the day, but I think as the season, now that it's upon us, as we evolve together with this program, I think we need to be more flexible about 
what's the right day and the right program to provide you so that we can continue to, you know, be relevant, be fun, and give you uh, hopefully that one hour distraction into the world of Mets baseball that you deserve in, in the way where I continue to try to bridge the gap between the media, the fans, try to give you as balanced of a take, have some fun. We'll take some shots of people here and there. That's part of the fun part of this. Um, but in general, this is just this is just good, clean fun. That's it. There's no harm or malice in this whole thing. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Of course, you can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, just like Brent Merrill did, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy opening day. Enjoy baseball that counts. Till next time, be well, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.